0: I love um, the enthusiasm of of young people. Uh, Ryan has been uh, coaching and mentoring uh, Cody, and uh, this young man has a love for Jesus and a passion for music, and it's infectious, and I'm really thankful that uh, Ryan let him loose today. So, yeah, you bet. So this morning we're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, the fear of financial disaster. Now, I think most of you maybe aren't in a financial disaster, but you know what it smells like. <laughs> you know when you're near it, and some of you have probably been in the middle of it. But any time that I preach on uh, finances, um, there's always this tendency or the sense in the congregation to say, oh. I don't know if I want to hear this, but let me, let me make this assurance for you before we begin. God doesn't want to take something away from you. He wants to give you something. He wants to give you peace of mind, He wants to give you grace, He wants to give you a life that is filled with purpose and imagination and everything good that He wants to give you. God wants to give you something not taking away. So, with that in mind, I would invite you to extend your hands with me out of uh, uh, just a symbol of receptivity uh, to the Word of God, and with your hands extended, with your clo- your, close your eyes. And so, Father, here we are, um, Hope Covenant Church, standing before you with our hands extended, needing your life Uh, needing your grace, needing your forgiveness, needing your help. And Lord, we offer ourselves to you and we are ready to receive the truth that you have for us from your word. May we be open in body, soul, mind, and spirit. May we be open to hear what you have to say to your church. Lord, we receive that truth today. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And all of God's people together said, amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Well, let me start by asking a question. And the question is this, do you ever think about money? Okay, probably you do if you're like most of us. Do you ever worry or stress about money or finances or losing a job, or how am I going to pay for college for my children in the future? Now, I don't want to terrify you, uh, parents of children, but it now costs $30,000 a year to send a child to a private school, $10,000 to a state institution like ASU or U of A, but $30,000 a year, and that's just fees and tuition, uh, to send your child for one year to college we become overwhelmed we become insecure we wonder about how are we ever going to pay for this how are we ever going to do this I mean and so we spend when we shouldn't spend we overspend and we stress and worry about all of that did you know that the average American household uh, spends eight thousand two hundred dollars a year on credit card debt now not paying it off month by month, but $8,200 a year in credit card debt. That's not cars, that's not mortgage, that's just credit card debt. The total for Americans that owe money to credit cards, and usually those average percentage-wise 15 to 25 percent that you're paying, um, the total amount that Americans owe for credit card debt is 300, excuse me, $872 billion, just short of a trillion dollars of credit card debt. And then we complain about our politicians, right? We complain about our government. Why are you spending more money than we have? Well, they're just taking a note out of our notebook, right? We are doing that as consumers, and our country is doing that as well. Did you know that credit card companies send out to consumers five million credit cards a day (laughs) in the United States? And do you know who their number one target is? College students. They want to get them hooked early and often. Now, for those of you who have been around our church for a while, you know that uh, we believe that the best way to do finances is to have financial margins, right? And credit credit cards will never enable you to have financial margins. Speaking of that, once a year at least, uh, we do a class called Financial Peace University, and we'll do it sometime next year. And uh, that's a class by Dave Ramsey, and we give you all of the biblical tools that you need to have finances that work, to have margins in your finances. Because that kind of debt that I'm talking about, that kind of debt that we experience in our homes, in our country, that causes a lot of tension, a lot of anxiety. 54% of all divorces are caused by financial stress. And this kind of tension causes great fear. So I'm wondering how many of you are thinking right now, boy, I'm so glad I went to church today because I'm feeling really bad about myself. No, that's not it at all. We don't do feel bad. We do solutions, and God has been gracious to give us a plan how we can manage our money, give us financial margins, and experience peace in that area. So here's the good news for each and every one of you today. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to fear your financial future. God wants to set you free. He doesn't want to take something from you. He wants to give you something. And the something that He wants to give you today is financial freedom. So here's today's message in a nutshell. If you don't remember anything else about the message, remember this. God will provide. God will take care of you. That's the testimony of God's Word, and that's the message that I want to share with you today. God will provide. God will take care of you. But in order for that to happen, we have to give control of our lives and our finances to our Heavenly Father. Now, I want to share with you three promises from God's Word, three individual passages in the Bible. By the way, I want to remind you to what? Read your Bibles. Uh, It's an amazing book. It'll tell you things that you had no idea were in the Bible. It will give you direction. It'll give you hope. It'll convict you. It'll do all kinds of good things for you. This is the inspired Word of God. God breathed His Word to you. Read your Bibles. So these three passages we're going to look at today, all from the New Testament, and uh, you can turn there in your Bibles if you want, or your devices. It's also in your sermon notes. It's on the screen. And the first promise from God is probably the classic teaching on finances in the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Here's what uh, Jesus says. Don't worry and say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? the people who don't know God keep trying to get these things, and your Father in heaven knows you need them. So God's saying, listen, I know you need a roof, clothes, and three squares. I know you need those basic things. You don't need to worry about those, okay? And then he goes on with this powerful statement, the thing you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what God wants, then all these other things you need will be given to you. So what Jesus is saying there is that, let's put first things first. The first thing in your life is not what kind of a job you have, or how much money you have, how much security you have, how many possessions you have, what kind of a family you have. That's not the first thing in your life. The first thing in your life is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You get that part right, and Jesus promises that all of those other things will. Come into place. God knows that you need those basic needs. He knows what your needs are. And he says, I promise you that I'll take care of those. If you put me first, Jesus says, if you put me number one, I'll take care of all of those other things for you. So that's the Matthew 6 passage. Then there's another great passage in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11. This is what it says in that passage. Paul is writing, God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and bread for food. Isn't that just a great statement? God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and bread for food. Sometimes we think we're the ones that have earned the money. We're the ones that have gotten the seed to make bread, right? We're the ones that have done that work. No, God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and bread for food. He will give you all the seed you need and make it grow so there will be a great harvest from your goodness. Isn't that great? A great harvest from your goodness. He will make you very rich in every way so that you can always give freely. He will make you rich in every way. Now, that doesn't always mean financially. Sometimes it does. It doesn't always mean financially. But He will make you rich in every way. Don't listen to those TV preachers. You know, the guys with the bad toupees and that yell at you all the time. Don't listen to those guys. Health and wealth, they're out to get money for their ministries, and they'll promise you anything, you know. If you have this prayer rag and pray on that, then you'll have a million dollars. If you give money to us, you'll have money coming out your ears. That's not true. God says, I promise you'll have riches, but those riches don't necessarily, or they could mean, finances. God says, I promise you, though, that you'll have exactly what you need, okay? Okay? what you need. And then the last passage is the classic passage that you all know. You learned this when you were in Sunday school when you were growing up. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful verse? You all learned that when you were kids, right? And my God will meet all your needs or supply all your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, Now, let's put a magnifying glass up to that last verse. We're going to talk about all these verses, but let's start by putting a magnifying glass up to Philippians 4.19. What does it actually say to you and to me? The first thing it says is this, God will meet. First three words of the verse. God will meet. It doesn't say He might or He's likely to or He could possibly. God will meet what? What's the next phrase? God will meet. All. All. Not some, not most, not many of my needs. God will meet all. And then the next phrase, God will meet all my needs. Not my greeds, not my wants, not my wishes. God will meet all my needs. So, um, back in the day, uh, when I was first a pastor at Mount McGill Covenant Church in San Diego, California, Sherry and I just moved back from Chicago from graduate school. We started, we had a, I was a pastor for the first time. I was very excited. I had no idea what I was doing. 29 years old, and I didn't really have a clue. I had a seminary degree, so that was good, but that's about all I had. And so we get back there, and one of the very first sermons I preached, first of all, when I got there, the elders got together. They were called the board back then. The board got together and said, "Dwayne, we don't have enough money. You need to preach on money. So, oh, great, so I'm, a new, I'm the new kid on the block, and I've got to preach on money. That's when everybody starts running away. So anyway, I was going to pay attention to them. So uh, one of my first sermons was a sermon on this very text, Philippians 4.19, about how God will supply all our needs. And, and I entitled the sermon. By the way, I went back and looked at the sermon. It was awful. It was really bad. Of course, I, again, I didn't know what I was doing. But I had a great title for the sermon. The title was Carrots or Candy Corn? Okay? Now, I learned in seminary, if you don't have a good sermon, at least have a good title. And that's what I had. Carrots or candy corn? And what I meant by that as I preached that sermon was that uh, you say, God, I'm so hungry. I'm I'm, I'm hungry. I'm starving. I need some food. Please, please, God, grant me this wish. Give me some candy corn. And so God says, okay, I know you're hungry. I love you. I promise you I'm going to supply all your needs. So here's some carrots. Okay, but God, you didn't answer my prayer. How can you be mean to me? No, God just is a lot smarter than you are. He knows what you need. He knows what your prayer really means, that you need some food. You don't need candy corn. So that's what that verse needs. God will meet all my needs. Not my greeds, my wants, or my wishes, my needs. And then the last phrase, God will meet all my needs, what? According to His glorious riches. According to His glorious riches. Not your assets not your CDs or your IRA, not your bank account, you know, not all the things that you've stored up, but He will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches. Isn't that beautiful? That's a promise from God for you. So, let's say that this Bible represents Christ's glorious riches, okay? Uh, This is everything that God wants to give you. He wants to give you forgiveness of your sins. He wants to give you salvation. He wants to give you justification and sanctification and blessings and mercy and grace and eternal life. All these amazing things, his, Jesus Christ and all of his glorious riches, he wants to give these to you. Over here are your needs, okay? Lord, I need this, I got to get to work, so I need a car, God understands that, we live in 2014, I I need food, I need this, I need that, and so you're saying, "I, I need all these things, so these are all the things that you need, you want, your dreams, all of those things, all of these things, and here's what the Bible says, the Bible says that all of these things that you want, that you need, all of these things can be found in Christ Jesus, every one of them. And yet we're looking on our own. We're looking and saying, where can I get a better job? How can I get more money? How can I do this? But all of your needs can be met in Christ Jesus. That's the blessing of this incredible verse. He does all of this in Christ Jesus. In other words, he does all of this for those who are Christ followers who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe some of you are thinking that if these promises are true, Pastor Dwayne, right, If these promises are true, if these promises are for me, like you've suggested, then why am I so stressed financially? Why am I poor? Why don't I have enough? Is God stingy? Is God holding back? Is God not honoring His promises? I would say to all of those questions, the answer is no. So you would say, well, then what's the deal with these promises? Well, let me tell you what the deal with these promises are. With each promise, there is a condition, a premise. God says, I'll always do my part, but you have to do your part. And so this morning, for a few minutes, I want to share with you five steps or five things you can do to keep your part of the bargain so that you can unleash God's blessings, financial and otherwise, in your life beginning today, okay? five steps to financial freedom. The first step is this, I must ask God for His help. Now, see if this rings a bell to you. So you're stressing about finances, or you're stressing about a relationship, or you're stressing about a job or some big stressor in your life, and you're going through, and you you think about it at night. You toss and turn in bed because you can't get it off of your mind. And how can I maneuver this? How can I uh, put myself and navigate this so that I can put myself in position to have more money and more stability, more security for my family? And you're worrying about, it. and you go through this for a couple of weeks, and you're stressed, and you talk to your wife and your husband, and and you're writing down notes, and you're trying to figure it out. And then a couple of weeks into this, this really misery, right? We've all been there. This real misery about, oh, what am I going to do? Something dawn on you and it's this maybe I should pray about this (laughs) after two weeks of stressing and anxiety and pulling you if you had hair pulling your hair out and you know what am I gonna do after a while well maybe I should pray about this here's what God is saying start there start there now let me let me make you a little challenge Um, I don't know how often you worry or think about money if you're normal It's a fair amount, right? Um, Now, those of you who've been through financial peace and you do your finances according to God's plan, you probably have no financial worries. I mean, you you think about it once in a while because you want to do the best that you can, security for your children, etc. But most of us, we just don't stress about it, worry about it if we're doing it God's way. But for most Americans, you heard the statistics earlier. There's this great stress, and so just pick a number in your mind, a number of minutes that you might, on average, think about finances, worry about finances in a given day, okay? Pick a number, just think of one. About how many minutes a day do I think, worry about, stress out about money, jobs, financial security, those kinds of things, okay? So you've got a number in your head. And now, here's a suggestion. Why don't you take that same number, let's say it's 23 minutes, okay? Let's take that same number, and instead of worrying and stressing for 23 minutes, pray for 23 minutes. Just make a swap, you're not gonna lose time. You're already spending time worrying and thinking about it, so you're going to just replace that time with prayer. I wonder how your life would change if instead of worrying, you went and you asked God. Asked God for financial help. So let me ask you a very blunt question. Do you ask God for financial help? Have you ever asked God to provide wisdom and resources to get you out of your financial mess. Because if we pray as much as we worry about finances, I don't think we'd have much to worry about. Maybe the solution isn't working a second or third job or taking another loan. Maybe God has a better way, and that better way is to ask. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus is speaking, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask, seek, Knock, a s k. Are you getting the message of what God's asking you to do? Why is it that we get so weird about certain areas of our life that we don't pray about them? It, it, the two, you know, what the two areas that Christians pray the least about in their lives? Sex and money. Two of the things that are talked about probably more than anything else in the Bible, and somehow we think that those are off limit, or that God doesn't know that we think about sex once in a while, and you know, we're going to trick Him into thinking. No, no, no go and pray. If you're having trouble in either one of those areas, you ask. God said, I promise you, ask, seek, knock. And then Philippians 4, 6, listen to this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So let me see if you got the point of this first point. Your responsibility in financial security is what? To ask. Okay. Yeah, it was very, very mediocre. Let's see if you can do better on the second one. Number two, I must learn to enjoy what I already have. Say that with me. I must learn to enjoy what I already have. Okay. That's, there's a big fancy theological word for that. It's called contentment. <laughs> I'm content with what I have. Now that doesn't mean that you don't want to do better in the future. That doesn't mean that you don't want to have financial. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the moment be content. So 1974, the fall of 1974, Sherry and I had just moved to Chicago to go to North Park Theological Seminary. Our daughter was 11, 12 months old and um, we were just barely making it. Uh, Sherry worked a part-time job, I worked as a part-time youth pastor. I was paying for school as we went, paying for rent, food. I mean, we, weren't, we were making like $500 a month and just barely making it. But we, God was supplying our needs, but not much more than that, right? Our needs. And you know, I, I should say this, those are probably the happiest days of our lives. We had nothing. But we had a purpose, and we had each other, and we had youth, and boy, we were going for it, but we had, so, so we were content, because we, we knew that God had a plan for our lives, that we, I was going to be a pastor, and so we knew, we were content with our lives, but that doesn't mean there weren't some things that we still were missing, so one afternoon, we had been for three days um, eating oatmeal only, that's all we had, okay, uh, we didn't have anything else, And uh, so uh, our daughter, Tammy, was fine with that. She loves oatmeal. But that's what we ate for three days. So we weren't complaining, but one afternoon after school, Sherry and I were praying about this. And Sherry said, Lord, we love that we're here in seminary. We love our little apartment. We love what you're doing in our lives. But Lord, can I make just one, one request? Can we just have some fresh vegetables and fruit? I mean, just a little, if, if you say no, that's okay, we'll keep eating oatmeal, but you know, do you mind if we have some vegetables? So while she was praying, the doorbell rang, we didn't, we ignored it. After we were done praying, I went out to the door to see if somebody left a note, and there was this big box of fresh fruit and vegetables. It was, it was, a, I'm not a guy to see a lot of miracles, but that was a miracle. And God was saying, listen, I'll take care of you. You put me first You trust in me, you be content with what you have, and I promise you, I'll take care of you. I'll give you even more than your needs, because we could have survived on oatmeal. I'll give you some wants as well. So we have to learn to enjoy what we already have. Now, that's kind of a foreign concept in our culture, Uh, and let me uh, exemplify that by using uh, somebody that used to be a professional athlete in our city, uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, Now Charles is a, a commentator for the NBA And uh, someone asked him one time in an interview, how can you get, he just got a huge contract by the Phoenix Suns. This was back in the 80s. And uh, somebody said, how can you justify getting paid so much? They asked that to Charles Barkley. And he thought for a moment, he said, well, we do make a lot of money, but you know, but you have to remember, we also spend a lot of money. (laughs) Brilliant, Charles, you know, brilliant. Yeah, we make a lot of money, but we spend a lot of money too. We've bought that lie that says, having more will make me happy. Every one of you in here could testify to the fact that some of your happiest days were some of your poorest days. Can I get an amen? Amen. Absolutely. And to think that somehow things are going to change, and as soon as I get to this level, as soon as I get to this level, as soon as I have these accomplishments or these accumulations, then I'll be happy. It's just not true. Don't buy the lie. Having more will not make you happy listen to what God's Word says about contentment. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, it doesn't say uh, that you shouldn't have money or earn money. It doesn't say that at all. It says keep yourselves free from the love of money. So, so let me ask you this question. Do you think That God is going to provide money for you if you have a problem loving money? Do you think God is going to make you rich if you have a problem already loving money? You need to check your heart around this. I do too. If we love money more than God, then God will say, listen, I'm not going to help you out in that. Otherwise, you know, you're on the road to ruin and I don't want that for my children. God loves you so much, He won't allow you to be rich if you love money, okay? That's pretty amazing. God's not going to feed your greed. God's not going to bless our financial present and future if we're going to do it by using our own selfish decisions and desires. God's not going to fuel that addiction. We have to recognize that to be content means that we recognize that uh, we have enough, um, uh, someone uh, asked my father-in-law, and my father-in-law has done, Sherry's parents have done really well in real estate uh, back starting in the 1950s and done really well. And one of their friends asked dad one time, well, Art, how much is enough? And he's, he, he, he says that a lot because it made him stop and think that he was always trying to accumulate more. They had to stop and think, well, yeah, you're right. I have more than enough. I have enough to take care of. Now, now they're going to live to be 100, so we're not going to see any of that money, but our grandkids will, you know. But here's this amazing man and woman who said, you know, we're going to put God first in this. We're going to put God first. We must be content with what we have. There's a dangerous trap if we're not careful. We buy XYZ, fill in the blank, which means we have to work harder to take care of XYZ, which means we spend less with those we love, which leads to an emptiness in our soul, which leads to more buying, which leads to more working and more worrying and less time with each other. And this is a cycle that is untenable. Please hear this. Your yearnings will always exceed your earnings. Just accept that. It's okay. Quit comparing yourself and what you have to others. Be thankful for what you have. The next step to financial freedom is probably the most important, and it's this. I must practice giving in faith. I must practice giving in faith. The best advice I can give you if you're worrying about money is if you're afraid of losing money, if you're afraid of losing security, if you're afraid you don't have enough money, here's the best advice I can give you. Give some of it away. <laughs> now That's completely counterintuitive, isn't it? okay, wait a second, I just, I don't even have enough, I'm spending 106% of what I make every year, and you're telling me to give some away? That just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying, and that's what God says, right? God says to do this. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, He talks about what He calls the law of harvest, the law of harvest. It means, in other words, what I reap, I sow. If I, excuse me, what I sow, I reap. If I sow criticism, I receive criticism from others. If I sow kindness, people will respond back with kindness. So this principle, the law of harvest, is found in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. Listen to this. A uh, year, Paul's writing. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is not able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need will be abound in every good work. You want to reap financial blessings? Sow seeds of generosity start giving your money away. Make sure that first check that you write every month is a check to your church or to a ministry or to a mission. You make sure that you are sowing seeds of generosity. Now, notice what he said in verse 8. This is a powerful verse. He said, and God is able to make what all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times. Is that in any way unclear or ambiguous? It's not. Having all that you need that you will abound in every good work. Sow seeds of generosity. I can tell you from personal experience and failure that we failed in our finances when we weren't faithful in our giving. And for in my life, it got really complicated and really weird when I started gambling, trying to chase after money that I'd lost and that and that. When we moved out here to Arizona in 2000, we had zero. Zero in the bank account, zero cars, zero property. We had clothes and some furniture, and that's all we had. We had zero. Since then, we have done it God's way. We've put God first in our lives. We've made the first check that we write every month to our church. We do God's way and God has blessed us abundantly. Sherry doesn't have to work anymore. She can, well, she works because she gives full time to the church, but she doesn't get paid. Well, she does. She gets to live with me. But, But she doesn't get paid money, you know. And the thing is, God has been, the church has been generous, and we've got money and we've got margins, and we can be generous, and it's all because we've done it God's way you can too. You can too. But pastor, I'm in so much debt. I know that. But if you can start whittling down on those credit cards and financial peace will help you do that, you can do it God's way and God will bless you. So here's my challenge for you. First of all, let me read for you Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God says, you honor me first, you put me first, and I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of the rest. So here's my challenge for you. For the next three months, make the first check you write each week out out to God's work. You say, well, pastor, we can't do that. Um, we, We already have more month than we have money. We already spend 106% of what we make. We're in trouble with credit cards. We're in trouble. We we can't do that. Here's here's my challenge. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. You put God first. You say, but yeah, but it just doesn't make sense on paper. I know it doesn't make sense on paper. So I have been giving this challenge for 14 years since we started here at Hope back in Granada Plaza. I've been giving this challenge. And every time I do, the elders cringe a little bit, but they know that every time we've given this challenge that God has blessed. So, here's the challenge. For three months, you put God first and see what happens. Okay? See what happens. Now, you say, well, and, and, if, and if some things don't work out, if you can't make your bills, if you fall behind or something, you call me. I'll call Debbie Selland, our treasurer, and we'll close your ears, Debbie, and we'll cut a check, and we'll cut a check for you. We'll pay back your tithe. Okay, that's, that's my challenge. Now, and you would say, well, pastor, has anybody ever uh, called you on that? And I would, a a year ago when I preached on finances, I said no, but now I would say yes. Last year, an individual in our church, a single mom, she had been doing this faithfully, paying her tithe, even though the money didn't seem to be making enough, and things are going along pretty well, and then all of a sudden she hit a snag, a snag, a snag, and she got behind in her rent, and she was terrified, and she called me, and she said, Pastor Duane, I'm so embarrassed. I said, don't be embarrassed. I made the challenge. I made the promise. She said, we can't make our, I can't make my bills. I, can I have some of the tithe back? And I said, I, that was the promise we made to you. And I said, if Debbie doesn't want to write a check for you, I'll write a personal check. But we'll take care of you because that was the promise we made. So I don't know if I ever got that email sent to you, Debbie, but do uh, uh, you remember that? And, and, oh, okay, okay, where were we gonna? And so a few days later, the gal called me back. She said, cancel that order. Uh, forget that. I got a large check in the mail. I didn't expect, and so I don't need the help anymore. And I kind of paused, and I said, "I was waiting for her to say something else. I said, and? She said, you're right. God takes, God you know, it's really important to hear that sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> you're right. God takes care of me. And God met my needs. A single mom, and she's been doing this. This is God's promise to you. So um, here's why this matters. So um, when our kids were small, we were in San Diego, and Sherry took, Uh, Tammy out on a girl's uh, date and I was left with stuck I mean left with the boys and uh, at the time they were five and two Uh, Nathan was five Tyler was two and so uh, by the way this is a this is an important tip for you young parents if you don't want to go to McDonald's, don't ask your kids where they want to go. Okay, just 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 so you know that, uh, just tell them where you're going to go, and uh, then you can enjoy lunch. Uh, but anyway, so we went to McDonald's, and we got our little uh, food out, and they didn't have Happy Meals back in the 70s, or this was the early 80s, uh, so we had expensive meals instead, and uh, and they were sitting there, and I just got a hamburger and a drink because I figured I could just pick the fries off of the boys' fries, you know, because they're five and two, and so so we're sitting there talking and eating away. And and I reach over to Tyler's tray. He's two years old. And I reach over and I grab a fry and I pop it in my mouth. And he goes, mine, you know, those are my French fries, daddy, you know. And he starts squawking and, and everything. And I'm thinking, well, you little pipsqueak, who do you think bought those French fries? Where do you think you got those french fries? You think you just made them yourself? You think you just kind of made them appear out of, uh, out of life? I gave you those french fries. You live and breathe because of me. <laughs> Give me your french fries. Now, while I'm, t- while I'm thinking this, I didn't say it out loud, thank the Lord. While I'm thinking this, Tyler's going, he's eating them as fast as he can because <laughs> he knows I'm coming after him. And, but here's the deal. So often in our finances, we are that two-year-old No, but I don't have enough. God, you're stingy. You take too much. I don't want to give a tithe. I don't want to give you a french fry. It's just too... God gave you everything you have. Book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 says that the very hands that you have to work, the very mind that you have to think about anything, all of that is a gift from God. Every penny you earn is at the mercy and grace of God. Don't think for a moment it's yours. In fact, Bruce Heimke's reminded me after the first service, he said, tell the second service that, listen... God owns 100 percent of what you have, and then he says, "I want you to keep 90 percent." How nice is that? God could say, "I want you to keep 10 percent, and I'll take 90 percent." but God says, "I want you to keep 90 percent." That's pretty gracious of God. We have to remember that God is the giver, not of us. We are not the givers, God is. Be generous in your giving. Sow seeds of generosity, and God will bless you and make you rich in every way, not just finances. He'll make you rich in every way. The next thing, the next step to financial freedom is, and I'm just going to touch this real quickly, I must maintain my integrity. This is very important. You want God to bless your financial future? Be honest. Don't cheat on your income tax. Don't take more deductions than you deserve. Be filled with honesty and integrity. God never blesses dishonesty. You may think you have an edge for a moment or for a day or for a year, but God never blesses dishonesty. Proverbs 11.1, the Lord abhors. It doesn't say the Lord dislikes or the Lord doesn't think it's a good idea. The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are His delight. God wants us to make our money the old-fashioned way, and that is what? earn it. Okay. He wants us to earn it honestly and with integrity. And then finally, I must trust God completely with my life. I must trust God completely with my life. In other words, the Matthew 6 passage, I must put God first in my life, not money, not pleasure, not popularity, not relationships, not sex, not a job. I must put God first in my life. You say, well, why should I? Two reasons. Reason number one anything I put in first place in my life outside of God can be taken from me. Anything I put in first place in my life outside of God can be taken from me. And whatever it is that can be taken from me, because it's all important to me, and since I can lose it, it will do nothing but cause anxiety for me. If money is my God, I will worry constantly about it. But if God is my God and He has promised me security, I will relax knowing that God will take care of me. God says, I will honor you if you honor me. And the second reason we must put God first in our life is this. When I make God number one in my life, I turn everything over to Him. And whatever I turn over to God, He blesses. Anything I turn over to God, He blesses. Your family, your finances, anything you turn over to God, He blesses. So as we close, five questions for you to think about. Number one, have you trusted your life into God's hands? All the rest of this message is meaningless without that. Number two, have you completely turned your finances over to God? Have you A-S-K- him every day? Ask. Number three, are you making money honestly and ethically? Number four, are you giving back to God regularly and generously? And number five, have you learned to be content with what you have? If you said yes to these questions, then I can say to you, based on the authority of the Word of God, chill out, (laughs) relax, don't worry. God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. Bow your head with heads with me. Lord, what an amazing God you are. You provide us with everything we need, not everything we greed, not everything we want, but everything we need, and we are so grateful to you. Father, may we always put you first in our life. May we always trust you. May we always recognize that you are our God and we are your children, and all that you give to us, may we use it and handle it with generosity and with love, because you have always handled us with generosity and with love. And for that, Lord, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.